This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. All right, y'all. This has been one of the biggest gaps in the Breaking Normal podcast, so welcome back. We have a special mother for Mother's Day on the show today, Hani Sagari. She's an entrepreneur, biochemist, anti-aging industry disruptor, and mom. And uh, stay tuned. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. What a pure soul and big heart and open mind. She's awesome. And in my life, what what have we missed? Hmm. For one thing, bison testicles, raw, freeze-dried bison testicles are available on the tribevitamins.com website. And I just made a post that that's the great news. And the awful news is that we only have about 16 more bottles available on the website. Only one per customer, please. We may be able to get them back at the end of the year, but no guarantees. So the race for the ultimate warrior supplement is on. And just if you didn't know, since ancient times, the eating of testicles is associated with amplifying strength, vitality, and virility. The original ancient Olympians, gladiators, and Vikings chowed down on raw testicles. Even Ayurvedic medicine correlates the eating of testes to treat impotence and obesity. And this was over 2,000 years ago. The commander of the Army Roman Empire prescribed testicles to improve low testosterone and sexual vigor. And in the wild, lions often eat the testicles first, especially when they're prey or big game animals. And guess what's the biggest game animal in North America? In case you didn't know, it's the American bison. Bison testicles are arguably nature's most concentrated source of virility. The extremely strong signaling molecules in these capsules support healthy testosterone production, libido, and fertility without creating unnatural internal feedback loops and assist in the metabolic health of your testes. So I'm freaking stoked to hear the results from the U16 superheroes that get your hands on them. So this is your hearts up. Also, I, one of the reasons it's been such a delay, I've been so busy going back and forth from Georgia taking care of Araya's first and only litter and keeping the biggest male, which Davina named Ruff Ruff. And I've gotten a lot of questions about Davina. Davina is more than good, and one day I'll be able to explain why I haven't been sharing her, but for now, just know that she is more than good. And if you want to come visit, I'm now living in one of the best places in Boulder, Colorado. I used to live in this magic mountain house with great views, but I would keep driving down to the creek, Boulder Creek, to go polar plunging. So I decided to move here, and it's like smack dab in the middle between mom and Davina's all outdoor school. So things are going good. I ain't, I ain't pretending it's all been easy, but man, uh, one of the things that's kept me vital is my breath work. You can go to breakingnormal.com and see what I do almost every day for free 99. Just check out the breathing at the Breaking Normal University. And if you want to do it in person, we've had plenty of visitors since I've been here and everyone is stoked on all this synergy and synchronicities. So keep breaking normal. I'd love to hear from you. I love hearing from y'all on the reviews. That's one of the most helpful things you can do to perpetuate the, uh, the breaking normal of culture as culture, like water, is supposed to be in movement. It's supposed to be changing. And um, to transcend that cultural conditioning, it's good to have our fashion statement come from the inside out. Oh, and by the way, for my fashion statement, thank you, J.P. Sears, for all your awesome shirts lately. Check out his new 
all his new Breaking Normal clothing line. It's epic. And enjoy this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Daniel at BreakingNormal.com or Instagram message me or order some Tribe Vitamins or leave a review, whatever feels best to you. I love you. Enjoy this. Peace in. Well, it's great to have you on the Breaking Normal podcast. Uh, Hani, Hani Sagari. What That's a cool right. name. What kind of name is that, by the way? Where, is it, where are Iranian, you from? Iranian. It's Persian. Okay, nice. Persian, yeah, but I guess the, the the root of it is Hebrew and Arabic. You know, it, it's derived from Hannah. So it's a variation of that, I guess. Okay, well, our uh, friend here, our mysterious email friend, describes you as an entrepreneur, biochemist, and anti-aging industry disruptor and mom. That's a lot. So biochemist, does that mean like you're a cert? What does that mean that you're a biochemist? You studied biochemistry in your past life. (laughs) I went to graduate school and studied biochemistry, but I was just really fascinated by the field of aging. And I wanted to figure out how this system works. And it's actually really cool. It's all these tiny little microsystems that tick and come together that create the human body. And I was so fascinated by it. Um, in my undergrad. And I was like, I'm going to study this even further. This is great. But what they don't tell you is that you get stuck in a lab and you're just doing research on one fundamental thing. So, but that was my past life. And yeah, it was, it was all around the fascination of aging. <laughs> well, well um, you, where did you go to undergrad and where did you do the graduate program at? Yeah, so undergrad, I went to have Rutgers um, in New Jersey. Yeah. And I did biology and psychology and graduate school, um, I went to Eastern Michigan because we just had to relocate there. I got married in three months. Um, and so my husband started his MBA at U of M. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not ready like to start life. And they were able to take in my DAT scores and accepted me into the biochem program. I was like, all right, let's do this. So it was very... Um, it was an impulsive decision, but I'm glad I did it. It gave me a, <laughs> um, it gave me a nice background on the sciences. And it teaches you, I think the science is like engineering and anything else. It teaches you how to think and research, which is pretty awesome to take something that you don't know anything about and like really figure out how it works. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, was pre-med and got a biology degree um, in undergrad at Emory in Georgia. So I can relate somewhat to the biochemistry field. I, I was more drawn to uh, organic chemistry, but it's all so fascinating. And that's pretty cool. And then and the mom part, I think we had a podcast scheduled earlier. And I think you said you just had a baby or something. I How did. many kids? <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, congratulations. Holy moly. And is that your second child? It is. I have a toddler now and a one-month-old, which is like a whole other... I mean, doing a business with a toddler is hard enough, but throwing a little baby that needs you every every couple hours to to feed, that's a whole other ballgame. You know, you're like holding this baby, typing with the other hand. It's it's intense, but it's just a couple months, I'm hoping. <laughs> well, how old's the toddler? He is about to be two in next month, actually. Exactly this day next month, he'll be two. Wow. Yeah. wow. And what are the names? Aiden and Byram. That's so it's interesting. I, I'm trying to go down the down, down the alphabet. So I started with the A. Now I got B. If I have another one, C. D. Let me see how far I could get before. You have an idea of how many how many letters you're going for? <laughs> well, I'm hoping that they'll continue. They'll like pick it up where I left off. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm hoping. Wow. Well, those are great names, Aiden and By- Where where they come from, Aiden and Byram? 
Aiden, well, um, I know that both of them are Turkish names, actually. Aiden, they're Persian, Turkish. Um, uh, Aiden means the enlightened one. And I know that it's also an Irish name. So it's really interesting. I wanted these names to, you know, have to, to be, be able to be pronounced on the, on the West. Um, since my name, no one can really pronounce, but so Aiden is uh, the enlightened one. And then Byram, it was actually, I was going to go with Byron and then everyone's like, Oh Lord Byron. And so Byram in Turkish means like a, um, a holiday. It's a, it's a new year. That's what they call the, the new year. And I thought, Oh my God, with COVID going on and January, he was born and, you know, with the start of the new year, new beginnings, a celebration. So I thought it was, it was appropriate, but <laughs> that's the name. That's cool. That's amazing as well. That, that's all happening. And you mentioned the COVID and the new year. And I mean, what do you, what's your golden thread of how you're handling bringing children into this uh, not new normal? I mean, it's the new normal, but I always think it's the new normal. I think that's normal and culture deserve to always be evolving, just like water. If you try to keep it stagnant and it becomes dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I personally am a little concerned of where a lot of our culture is headed the last year and a half, particularly. So I'm curious, how are you uh, handling that with the, the new ones here on planet Earth? Well, I, I wonder actually with my my toddler, because like even he goes to daycare for a couple hours a day and um, with everyone wearing a mask, like his teacher wearing a mask and, you know, communication is so important and the kids read the, the words coming out of your mouth. So not being able to see that, how's that going to actually affect their development? So I, I think about that and you know, like ugh, the poor kid, the, the playgrounds here in California were shut down for a good portion of, of the pandemic. And so it's just, he's been like stuck at home and we try to be, be as creative as possible to create games and activities and, you know, still like nurture his growth, but um, we're handling it the best we can and being in the, being in startup stealth mode for, for having been for the, for a couple of years, I was kind of like used to working from home. Um, so like it, for me, it was just a continuation of that. And it's like, all right, well, we, um, we, we adjusted, we all, we all adjusted pretty well. So it hasn't been terrible. No. <laughs> I mean, I am particularly concerned slash curious about what you mentioned, because I do believe a lot of uh, empathy is developed through nonverbal communication and like the most ridiculous example that I think I've seen with my daughter is she goes to an all outdoor school where the kids don't have to wear a mask. So that's awesome. The teachers do. Um, but like she went to it, like we were taking her swimming lessons and the teachers are wearing masks in the pool. And I'm just like, man, this is, I, I feel like at this point and when the is like jumping in the pool and she needs to trust the person that's right. guiding her, it's probably very important to see their face face and how ridiculous it is is they're they're trying to wear these masks in the water i'm like this is yeah. how did how did this just spin out of control right 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 but it's hopefully we're gonna go back to some sort of normal soon. but i like that also society has taken a break and they've like focused on a lot of i, I mean i see around me a lot of people are focused on personal development and you know, they're finally spending time with their kids and families because they were on the road 36 weeks out of the year now they're realizing huh I could do all my 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 work um, via Zoom or whatever it may be. So I think it has been good. It has served some sort of a purpose as as much as it's been bad. And 
has affected us, but it hasn't totally been awful, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Thank you for bringing light to that. And then um, I am curious, is there a root to your anti-aging or the aging uh, fascination, particularly since now you have two that you'll get to watch age? I feel like that's the greatest, one of the greatest privileges of being alive. So congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. I think my fascination with aging probably started when I first came to America. I, I emigrated here from Iran um, at the age of seven. And I guess my dad moved us into a 50 plus community without even knowing it, but um, everyone was older in our community and they kind of took me under their wing. And um, my, my friends, Madeline and Miss Stitz and Richard and all these wonderful people I had, and they taught me how to speak English. They were just so patient. One of them taught me how to paint the other one. And actually funny story. Um, when one of them was passing away, I got her inheritance of all her, um, her fashion jewelry. <laughs> that was her inheritance. Some of it, her mom had given her and she gave it to me, her artwork. So, you know, I had these friends, but by the time I was in sixth, seventh grade, they started dropping one by one. And it was really devastating. A lot of grief for a little child to a 10, 11 year old to process. And I was like, I'm going to devote my life to aging and I'm going to learn all about it. So I could, you know, invent the fountain of youth and keep my friends around for as long as possible. So <laughs> that was the motivation. I mean, I was young, but I, I just always had this affinity and draw to the aging population. And then by the time I was in high school, I got a job at a nursing home. Actually, that's where I found my husband. And three months later, he proposed at that same nursing home, but not when I was 16 years later. Um, so Meaning, I, he, did he work at the nursing home or he was visiting? He was an engineer. He wasn't a resident, no. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I figured. He was. <laughs> Unless you really found the fountain of youth. I mean, wow. <laughs> but that's the fountain of youth. Um, no, he was an engineer and we were building dialysis centers and he was, you know, head of the project. And, you know, he kept bugging me, coming and asking to go to the, the holiday party with me. And I was like, leave me alone, you know? And so really, finally, really, yeah, really leave yeah. that's so fascinating. Cause I imagine a lot of guys around the world are like, am I, should I keep trying or not? You're saying he just kept bugging you and you were like, <laughs> oh leave God, me yeah. alone. Yeah. And I think they call that um, sexual harassment nowadays. <laughs> and whenever in our, in our previous um, business, we would have like sexual harassment training, he would make this joke. And I'm like, no, that's not appropriate. He's like, well, if I didn't harass her, I would have never married her. And I'm like, that's not appropriate <laughs> during sexual harassment training. But anyways, yeah, no, he, he kept bugging me. And um, finally, I went on a date with him. And on that date, I realized, oh, my God, we're two people from two different parts of the world. He's from Poland. He immigrated to the U.S. when he was seven. I came wow. from Iran. You know, same type of immigrant story. And it was so amazing. Like, wow, two people from two different parts of the world, but the same journey, the same, you know, like fundamental values and so we hit it off. And what do you do when you're really you hit it off with someone? You don't pick up their for calls for another couple of weeks. <laughs> and like, oh my, I mean, it's young too. It was 22, 23. So finally I went on a date with him and three months later we were married. He proposed to me at that nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What I a guess, cool story. Yeah, it's like, if you know, you know, right. Sometimes in life, you just got to take the leap of faith and right. Well, that's pretty amazing. And does he still like work as an engineer on these type of, projects or 
well, no, no. And then he went back and he told me, well, I'm going to Michigan to get my MBA. Are you on board to move with me? And I was like, well, now that we're married, I guess I have no choice. And so that's how I ended up doing grad school because I was planning on, you know, going to dental school actually, because I wanted to just be kind to my parents and give them that, you know, like I'm, I'll be a doctor here, take it. But my heart and soul was always in like aging research. That's what I devoted my time to. And that's what I really wanted to do. But, um, you know, when you're young, you don't know how to say no to, to your parents. And I've learned that through my life. So yeah, I went there and, um, after we graduated, it was like, all right, so what do we do? What is that one thing that you really, really would want to do? And I was like, I want to start nursing home so I could have that one-on-one interaction, that patient-centric care that, you know, I would have at the nursing home. Like these people would come to life, like these frail people that would be in a, in a wheelchair. As soon as you, you had that one-on-one and you connected with them, it's like they would come to life. And I, and I, I thought it was so sad that, you know, end of life people end up, you know, in a nursing home, no one comes to visit them. So I thought, if I could change their life, if I could have, you know, change their life for the better, that would be amazing. So with nursing homes, you need a lot of capital to start off a lot of um, compliance and certificate of occupancy and need and so on. So I started a home health care company. That's where I started, not knowing anything about business. Um, and it just grew the first year. Like it, you know, I guess what that means is when you're really, really passionate about something, it just kind of naturally happens. You don't have to know all the pieces, but um, the first year grew, we grew to like 1.2 million, not knowing anything. It's like, wow, numbers. And I didn't even know we were growing until my accountant told me. And then the second year doubled that, the third year doubled that. It it was just, you know, going and going. So, And what exactly was the service or the business at that point? It was a home health care company. So what we would do is we would um, provide home health aides, nurses, uh, therapists, and so on to patients' homes. But it was predominantly one-on-one care. Um, A lot of it was respite care. Some of it was in-home care. Um, But it was just, you know, people who needed assistance, either because they didn't have anyone to take care of them or some of them coming out of long-term care facilities, coming home or um, rest, you know, all, all different types of scenarios we had, but it was a lot of fun. Wow. So fascinating. It's so cool that you um, stuck to your childhood dream of sorts and you're still sticking to it. It sounds like, I mean, when I continue reading this uh, bio, the next, I think the next line is, um, your, your holistic skincare brand is, and how do you pronounce it? Chiral. Chiral. And Chiral. being an organic biochemist or organic chemistry, being into that, I wonder if you know what that means. Chirality. Do you remember that? I don't know if I remember it. I don't you. know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit, I was pretty good at like not learning anything until the night before the exam and then like study, cramming all night long and like getting by. But then being like the next day, like, what did I just learn? How did I, I would like take it. I would finally sleep and I think I might forget half of it. <laughs> Anywho, I'm not, I'm not um, encouraging that type of studying, but it worked for me to get certain grades. <laughs> but I, I can tell you what chirality means real quick for anyone that's interested. It's um, a non-superimposable mirror image. So it's in math and, and chemistry. It's just basically think of your left hand and your right hand, putting it on top of one another. They're mirror images. 
But what's interesting in chemistry is that um, you'll have these molecules that are identical, made up of the same exact number of atoms and, and molecules, but they behave completely different because it's a mirror image of this one, right? It'll target different receptors and it'll behave completely different. And it's like, oh my God, this is like how humans are. We're made of the same stuff, but we all behave so differently. So that's what inspired the name, Chiral. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Thank you for the explanation. And uh, it describes it as the culmination of the lifelong mission to improve lives and increase longevity. Mm-hmm. Tell, so what it would tell us what exactly is Chiral? Tell me more. And then, like, she gives us some pretty expressive, I mean, impressive numbers because you're no stranger to entrepreneurship that experienced a 600% YOY growth. YOY? Yeah, year over year. Year that, over year growth. Was, yeah, that was, I think. The healthcare startup. Okay, I see. That's with your healthcare startup. And then taking an e commerce startup from zero to 20 million in revenue over five years. Is that the chiral? No, that was that was another one we had. Whoa, another yeah, one. I mean, we're doing. Um, you know, you're talking to someone who loves business now, didn't know anything and then got into it, loved it and started doing stuff. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk one. about both of them. So the first sure. one with the 600% YOI is the, uh, the brand that we talked about in the beginning. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the home health aid, uh, uh, home healthcare company. And then we also simultaneously started a e-commerce logistic and fulfillment business, but it was at the, it was at the very beginning where this um, crowdfunding was very, very new. You know, the concept of Kickstarter and Indiegogo is very new. Um, and these brands that we were working with, um, I won't get into the details of how we fell into it, but these brands we were working with had no idea what they were doing, right? They're like, well, we created this really cool product and I guess we, you know, people are interested in it, but what do we do next, right? And we're like- Oh, I can relate. This is exactly what happened with Tribe Vitamins. I was like, I was taking the pills, put the Kickstarter up. It got 111% funding, oh, 11, 11, 11, 11, 8. And I'm like, whoa, now I have to create all these bottles. And I, I went on, I described it as like, Maybe one of the most uh, like edutaining six months of my life because I learned I was at a real university that I was self enrolled in in order to make this happen, so I can relate. But please continue. Yeah, no, no. So it's interesting because a lot of these crowdfunding brands had a different type of need than a traditional e commerce brand, right? They're not like just sending the, the fulfillments not being done by Amazon and and so forth. So. We started with a lot of these crowdfunding brands and we're like, we'll grow with you. We'll work with you. And um, sure enough, we, we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just like, all right, they have a need. We'll try to fill their need and we'll grow with them. And that's how the concept started. And sure enough, it took, it took on. And as these brands, some of them were going from zero to a hundred million in two, three years. And we were growing with them. It was pretty awesome. Um, and so we did that for about five, six years. And it just started to burn me out. Like I'm doing this home care company and it's, it's, there's a lot of staff in both, in both um, companies, right? Like the home healthcare company had 500 staff members, the fulfillment e-commerce, we had all these uh, warehouse staff members. And I think what bothered me the most was I felt like I got into both businesses to make a difference and make an impact on people's lives. And I wasn't doing that. Because, you know, we couldn't pay the employees the wages that we want. Both are pretty low margin businesses. And yeah, it started like to really take a toll on me. It felt like, you know, what am I doing this for? If, if we can't um, lift people up and give them the, the, the life that they, they deserve and want and they're hardworking. So I, I just, I, I don't know. Besides that, I started to feel really burnt out. 
felt like my life mission was in that. So I took some time off, traveled through Asia and Europe and so forth, and tried to think, what's that next thing that I'm going to do for the next 15 years, right? Like I've done the whole five to 10 year thing. Now, what's the next thing that I'm going to do for the next 15, 20 years of my life that's going to get me out of bed, right? Every single morning. And um, that's where really the, the, the idea of chiral was conceived, where um, you take beauty, you get to the root of root cause of aging, you take education, educating the customers on what aging is, and then incorporating this concept of network marketing, which by the way, I'd never done network marketing. I knew nothing about it, but what I loved is that, um, I love the concept and the, and the downline tree format of it, right? So if someone really has the ambition, they can grow and, and they can build their team and so forth. So I love that about, about network marketing and educating women um, and, you know, making a difference in their life that, that really like motivated and inspired me. Um, and I could tell you a quick story about where that comes in if you're willing to listen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm definitely willing to listen. There's a lot of just, uh, <laughs> parallels and synchronicities to our stories, but yeah, tell me the story. No, no. Uh, and I would love to hear yours, but, um, so I, as I mentioned, I was born in Iran, my mother, Iran had a revolution in 1979, we had a revolution and right shortly after the, the Iran Iraq war started, but, um, the revolution was started by college students and my mother being a college student at the time, um, they threw her into prison and they executed her roommates um, because they were politically active. And um, my mother was next on the on the execution list. So for six months, they were trying to build a case around her and they couldn't find enough evidence. Um, but she was a social worker and Iran had like a sort of legalized form of like um, a red light district. And my mom's job as a social worker was to go and make sure these women had their health checks. So she had a classmate that, that knew about this. So he saw my mom's name on the list and he's like, oh my God, he was now with a new regime. Like, what is she doing in jail? Maybe I could get her out. So he set up a meeting with, with her in, in prison and told her, you know, all those street workers they used to work with, they want to also execute them or, and they're just putting them in, in shelters for now, not knowing what to do with them. What if you could come and run these shelters? I could get you out of here and you run the shelters. And she's like, oh my God, please get me out of here. I'll do anything to leave. And sure enough, um, she got out of out of prison and, and started running the shelter of, I think it was initially 60 women. But then as soon as the Iran-Iraq war started, there were all these other women, the, the widows of servicemen are ending up in, in the same shelters. And obviously these two groups are clashing. They have two different value systems. And my mom's like, oh my God, I got to teach these women. I got to occupy their time somehow. So she taught them her craft um, and her skill, which was sewing. She's like, that's what I could do. And that's what I taught them. And she, you know, started with a needle and thread and you women do, you know, do sleeves and you guys do this and, and so forth. And then, you know, they, their skills were, were developing and evolving. So she went back and asked the the department, um, can we get sewing machines? And they said, well, the Iran-Iraq war has started. If we give you guys sewing machines, can you guys sew the military uniforms and sheets and all these things that we need for the soldiers? Can you guys handle that? And she's like, sure, done. So she gets the sewing machines and without knowing anything about business, she sets up um, assembly lines, you know, like you women do sleeves and you women do collars and, you know, the more skilled workers would be at, at this station and so forth. So 
300 women she was able to teach this craft and skill of um of sewing and then she went back and she's like we've been doing this for a year for free can i get these women paid can you guys give us some sort of stipend you know even if it's like minimum wage um and they they did that so a lot of these women were able to save up some of them moved out some of them got like better jobs um some of them remarried so like she was able to lift all these women out of poverty and and shelters so I was like, wow, one day when I grow up, I'm going to be just like my mother. And this is, you know, as a, as a little girl witnessing that, I think it impacts you for the rest of your life. And so this has been a theme. And like I said, in the home healthcare business, I felt like I'm not giving these women, these 500 employees, and they were predominantly women, um, the life that they deserve. And, you know, like this isn't, this, this doesn't align with my, initial childhood goal of empowering women and and lifting them. So yeah. And with chiral, I feel like I'm able to do that. And part of our philanthropy is also giving back Um, 1.2% of uh, philanthropy goes to women's causes um, in the U S right currently. And so I wanted to partner with the 1% pledge and give, give back to um, women's causes. And so, yeah, that's, that's built in to the fabric of our company. So we teach women about entrepreneurship. We educate them on, on aging and, and the science of aging so they could talk about it with confidence. But at the same time, we're also giving back to shelters and so forth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, this, well I'm, I'm just took oh. a sip of this. This oh, is okay. interesting Long because this is a network marketing company, Perium. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I, I um, What happened was that early, I guess in 2019, when I realized, like I've been hosting health retreats for over 10 years and I realized that might not be happening for a while. Um, that I started network, I started network and mar- getting involved in network marketing. I wanted, and I really thought it was a great time. I was like, yeah, I know Perium sells this like organic cherry juice. That's why I wanted it. And then I learned about their whole like sort of a pharmacy. It's not a real far. It's not a, a certified pharmacy, which I like. My dad's an actual certified pharmacist. Um, but it's just this, whole shelves of superfoods and it's a network marketing company. And I went all in for a few months and made some good money. And a lot of people got healthier and I was stoked. And I still realized though, I was like, you know, I'm still, this is a network. I'm part of a network marketing company. I want to uh, create my own supplement. And that's where tribe vitamins was birthed. Like after months of marinating from that. So I didn't know Chiral is a network marketing company as well. Yeah, it is. But that's awesome. it's a little bit different than traditional network marketing companies is that there's no inventory needed since every single one of our products is custom made for the customer. Um, so you don't have to have, you don't have to carry any inventory. You just have to do the marketing portion of it. And it's great for a lot of women that want to start their own skincare. I mean, men too, skincare supplement companies, but they don't have the capital. So this is kind of like the best of both worlds. You don't really need to invest a lot in, in, in your, um, in your business. And, you know, it's, it's great. It like marinates the gig economy with the, with entrepreneurship. I think. Well, yeah. Tell us specifically about the products or they so as personalized products, uh, specifically skincare. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's 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 a holistic line, right? So I wanted to focus on aging, and um, part of aging, obviously, it's sleep well, eat well, drink well, exercise—all these things that you have to do. But then um, there's also this large organ, which is your your largest organ, which is your skin, that sees the effects of of um, 
of the aging process that happens inside. And I was so tired of these companies talking about reverse aging overnight. I'm like, there's no such thing, but if we're going to do it, let's do it the most effective way possible. And so um, we have a four-step regimen that focuses on all aspects of, of aging. We have the, the first step is um, the cellular revitalizing uh, serum. And what that really does is it gives an uptick to the cellular turnover cycle, which happens every two weeks when you're, when you're born, but then by the time you're in your fifties, it happens every 90 days. Right. So we got to speed up this process. That's what really causes like the, uh, the skin's aging. It's the, the, the cellular turnover cycle slows down. So our serum focuses on that. And then, Oh, and I want to be clear on that. So you're saying the cellular turnover cycle, that this serum can expedite this turnover rather than it being slowed down. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. So how does it do that? Um, you can achieve that through, you're going to exfoliate layers of skin. And the best way to exfoliate is really through lasers that are offered at dermatologist's office or dermatology grade products like tretinoin, retin-A and, and so forth. Those are great, but acids are also really, really great. Like, and you know, you go to an esthetician's office, they put the high grade acid on and it causes exfoliation. However, doing that at home has to be done on a very personalized um in a personalized way. And that's what we're trying to achieve. So it's, we, we, um, we formulate the concentration, the product. So if you have oily skin, for example, glycolic acid won't penetrate as well as salicylic. So we give you the right ingredients at the right concentration, like 10% salicylic acid is very different than 5% salicylic. So we, we make you take a quiz and we're able to formulate that for you at the right pH because you might not be able to tolerate a lower pH than somebody else. And so it, it has to really be customized for the individual. Um, so that's the first step. Yeah. And, and by doing that, you're exfoliating layers of your skin. So you're, you're pushing more cells, newer cells to the top, uh, top layer of your skin. Well, yeah, skincare is something I'm definitely passionate about. And I think it's, there's a lot of misunderstandings around it. And uh, I guess I'm very fascinated by all this. And it looks like you have very healthy skin. It looks like uh-huh. your skin is really well taken care of. Thank so I, is, uh, is that something that runs in your family? And uh, is, how much do you think of this own regiment? I mean, that's kind of how tribe vitamins, and I imagine most companies are birthed. It was like, yeah, I want to take a uh, wild animal liver every day, just like a little bite of it every day. How can I make that happen? Mm-hmm. So I made that happen for myself and now other people get to experience it. Is this, was there a passion specifically for your skincare or, or did something yeah. happen at one point that you're like, oh, I got to figure this out or what? Yeah. If that's tied into here, I'd be curious too. No, totally. I mean, I've, um, I've been using Retin-A since I was, I think 14, 15, I suffer from really, really bad acne. And then growing up that acne didn't go away. So I've been on Retin-A, but I found it to be too harsh. Like it would just start peeling my entire skin. So I got into acids and I loved it, right? Like um, I tested a lot of different acids and I figured acids are not as harsh. If you get the the pH right and use it consistently, it's not as harsh as Retin-A and, and um, Tretinoin for the prescription grade products. So that's how I, I, I got into it. And I've been doing it my entire, my, my entire adult life, really. I've been using either some form of acid and um, yeah, exfoliant for, for the skin. So I definitely knew that. And the, the biochemistry background helps because in a lab setting, you're doing titrations and pH adjustments all day, every day, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I understood how it works and I knew how to be able to adjust the pH. So that's how I got into that portion of it. <laughs> but I knew that it has to be personalized. I mean, that's the foundation 
of our company. If you want to get things right, you got to make it for the individual. And I think the, the skincare industry tries to put everyone in a couple locks and we not one size fits all doesn't fit all. Right. So. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think you were taking us through like a four, were there four, are there four different steps or products or you told us about part one. I'm ready for yeah, the next, yeah. the next so piece. Part, so part two, I think you understand it's a bioplacenta serum and uh, bioplus. I mean, it has some really great peptides. It has some great growth factors that, um, for those of you that don't know, the placenta uh, supports life um, for the first nine months of the infant's life. It supports it. So we took those same peptides that are found in the placenta and made them in a laboratory setting, right? So they're biomimetic peptides with great growth factors. And what it really does, it helps the skin that now is missing a layer, right? Like you're, um, it helps it rebuild. And so that's the second step. It's a, it's a, um, a bioplacenta serum. And the third step is to nourish the skin from the outside, right? So um, it's also a bioplacenta moisturizer. However, it's not as potent as the serum. And you apply this, you leave it on throughout the day. And again, that one is also personalized for the individual because if you have oily skin, you can't tolerate certain ingredients. So we adjust that for you. And the fourth step is the supplement. And the supplement, um, you know, you could do all the stuff from the outside. As you know, you've got to feed the inside and the cells from from within. So it's, you know, it's got some really great antioxidants, collagen, niacinamide, some of the, you know, hyaluronic acid, some of the things that your skin needs. Um, so the supplement provides that four steps. Oh, that's awesome. And then the supplement, is it just like a, is a dietary supplement, like in the capsule or is it a powder or is it no, it's a dietary capsule? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's also fascinating. I mean, it sounds like you know a bit about like micronutrients uh, and the retin-A. That's a, is that a, what is that? Is that a pharmaceutical acne product or something? Yeah, it is. It's tretinoin um, and it comes in different grades and, and levels and um, potencies. So, Okay. Well, this is one, maybe you can help me out on something um, because I do think the tribe vitamins, um, the bison liver specifically and elk liver, like there's an obvious there's a, a lot of times an obvious initial reaction, but there seems to be a long-term reaction where people's like skin, hair, and nails are growing healthier, faster, and stronger, including mine. Um, and I, and I think it's probably because there is loaded with retinol. I mean, I allegedly, this is about as much of retinol you would want to take. And that's why we have it like in a microdose format. That's why the argument is like, it's better to eat small bites of liver every day than a big, like a whole liver once in a blue moon. What is, what do you know about retinol, vitamin A, and what is it good? Why is it so tied to so many skin and hair products? Yeah. Well, your skin's made out of, um, it, it's keratin and, and vitamin A feeds that, that cycle. Right. So, um, yeah, retinol is, is definitely, it's a, um, what do they call it? A preliminary step in this, in this keratinization process. So yeah, definitely, um, it would be helpful, I guess, if, if that's what your products contain. Well, yeah, allegedly, like for instance, a polar bear, polar bear liver, for instance, has so much retinol, it's toxic to eat. There's like a vitamin yeah. A over, you can overdose on vitamin A allegedly. Right, right, right. I forgot what the- um, And then the vitamin A and retinol. Is. Yeah. Like they're the same, I guess, vitamin A is the- um, the precursor. It's the a precursor. precursor. Yeah, so- um, Interesting. So polar bear liver, if you 
if you consume too much of it, it's too much. I, I, I think any of it. I think it's yeah. just so loaded in retinol. It. Yeah, there's some kind of stories around that. And then there's instances where I think the most people that you'll find that are ever overdoing um, retinol are probably Inu- like the Inuits or the Eskimos that are eating like large amounts of whale. Interesting. Oh, wow. I have no idea. Yeah, but I do know that there is a limit with vitamin A after which it's toxic, like a lot of other things, because it's, it's not water soluble, right? It's oil soluble. So it stays, it doesn't just get flushed out. Unlike like, for example, some of the B vitamins, right? So. And, and that's another thing the liver is loaded in the B vitamins. I mean, I, I guess the folate, like, do you, like, do you know the difference between folate and folic acid by any chance? Folate and folic acid. One is, I don't know. Yeah, this has been very. No, I like, do know these things. It's just like you're putting me on the spot. I have to think. I mean, too. I'm putting myself on the spot. I think one is the natural derived form, and one is maybe the manufactured form. But it's allegedly all these micronutrients are super potent for skincare, amongst many things, like the skin being the kind of the, like as you mentioned earlier, it, it's like an indication of maybe our overall health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like what's happening on the inside. Yeah, no, it's true. It's your, and the liver is so important too. The liver is probably, everybody thinks the heart is important. I mean, they're all pretty important. Your brain, your heart, your, but your liver like does a lot of the work, right? It takes, a, it, it's eliminating the toxins. It's, it's doing a lot. So the liver, you got to take care of for sure. Yeah, and I, I also wonder, I imagine that the modern day human liver is probably much more warped than the indigenous people, for instance. And this is like some of the things that one of my Buffalo, I have a friend that's a Buffalo farmer, not a bison farmer, but a water Buffalo farmer. And he was talking about when he goes, like they process the animals and his like water Buffalo liver is allegedly like almost like standing up. It almost looks alive. And it's like this deep purple. And then he'll like see the cow livers at the uh, slaughterhouse there as well. And it's like, they almost look sickly and kind of more of an orangish tint, like just so overworked. So he, he, uh, brags about having the laziest livers in the industry. <laughs> That's so interesting. I actually had a, um, a doctor, he was a, he, he's a, uh, what do they call that? A bariatric surgeon. So um, I was talking to him and he said, do you know why? I mean, obesity, obviously it's a, it's a whole topic of its own, but he had um, spent many, many years doing research on the, on obesity and he was a bariatric surgeon. So he's the one that gives people gastric sleeve surgeries and, and um, what is it? Bari- uh, what is the gastric bypass surgery? See, that's, that's what he's done for the past 30 years, but he's also devoted his time to studying what is the real cause of aging. And he was saying, you know why obesity has grown so much since the seventies up until now. And I'm like, yeah, we're eating more processed food. He's like, yeah, but no, it's a little bit deeper than that. I go, yeah, we're eating a lot bigger portions. No, no, it's a little bit deeper than that. And so basically how he explained it to me, and maybe you know this, but Monsanto is delivering all the, the Monsanto, the owner Roundup, is giving the farmers the seeds and this Roundup is sprayed on the seeds, but it doesn't kill them. It kills everything else. And we're consuming these seeds, uh, these, these toxins essentially. And what are the, the functionalities of fat cells, right? One is shock absorption. One is um, um, energy to give us energy. The other one is toxins. It eliminates toxins. So what our fat cells are doing are getting bigger and bigger to try to eliminate all these toxins that are being fed into our bodies. And 
you know, whether it's in our processed foods and, but he basically said it's in everything, right? Like the, the toxins, you can't get rid of um, these Monsanto seeds. They're in, in almost everything, right? Like yeah, well, that's actually synchronously enough. That's how I got into, that's one of the main reasons I got into Perium because I am familiar with this roundup that I think in Monsanto that I think somehow like Bayer acquired. Yeah, yeah they from, acquired them, yeah. Which is so fascinating. I mean, that get, runs really deep. Um, but... <laughs> They basically like glyphosate, that ingredient in Roundup is allegedly almost everywhere. And Perium apparently has like this prebiotic probiotic that has shown to remove 70 plus percent of the glyphosate from people's lower gut after a, few, a month of use or something like that. They have these like case studies out here. And um, that, w- that was like, yeah. Because this is ridiculous. This situation, what we have with pesticides going for maybe right, right. even into non-pesticide farms, farms that are trying to stay biodynamic or organic, um, and they're being bombarded by the winds of pesticides flying over from neighboring farms. This is a major situation. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize, I understood like, yeah, there's the link between cancer and all these other um diseases, but I didn't realize that obesity is also affected by that because your fat cells are getting bigger and bigger in order to engulf these toxins and <laughs> out of our bodies. So I had no idea that there's a link to obesity because of these toxins too. Um, yeah, I think this, I mean, and this is one of the reasons I'm so into this uh, conversations and these conversations and in a way choosing to do this over following because I was pre-med and following that path. Um, I, I'd rather maybe talk about what doctors are not being trained to talk about because who's paying for those trainings too. It all gets so like, Oh man, like the revolving door of healthcare and capitalism. It's gray waters, gray waters. And I really appreciate, uh, I guess it seems like your, your journey and that the iteration of that is so rooted in like a child, like a pure childhood curiosity and you've kind of carried it through and are walking in that talk. So thank you. We're doing that. And I am curious since you have been around like so many people that may have transitioned into the other realm, um, starting at such a young age, what do you think happens after someone dies? I think we're all, you know, that's interesting. Actually, I'm, I'm reading this, um, this book by, well, I just finished it. Stephen Hawking's brief answers to the big questions. I totally recommend it. It's his final book before he passed away. And this is like Stephen Hawking, you know, the, one of the greatest minds of our generation. And he tries to answer that question and is there God and so forth. So, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that, but I think we just get recycled like everything else, you know, we, it all gets recycled. So we just go into organic matter and then it just, we start up again. So I don't think there's an afterlife. There's energy. I mean, that's a complicated question, but I think we just get recycled. <laughs> okay, including like, so not a, not a, there's not a soul of sorts you're saying. You're just, you're talking more of like the physical body or is that yeah, including the-, the physical body? But if you think about it on a subatomic level, we're all made out, everything is made up of the same stuff, right? On a subatomic level, like the, the quirks and the, so, so it's just, it's interesting what happens to us. I don't know. I I'm trying to answer that for myself. What do you think? What do you think happens to us? I think it has a lot to do with one's intention and one's own beliefs. Just like, you know, when you're saying you have to do, if you got to do an anti-aging skincare product, it's gotta be personalized that my belief leans towards that. It's personalized. Um, 
And oh man, it is a big question. It's a bit, and I like I totally appreciate someone that doesn't have an answer to that, like a direct answer to that question. Like <laughs> it might just it might be one of those questions that brings up more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's a book. You know, you mentioned a book. There's a guy named, and this is maybe you've heard of this guy. I think his name's Doctor James Moody, and he has a book called Life After Life. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. And, and it, Anyways, he's pointing towards this like study of the what happens when a body, a human is in a body and they have a death experience where they're classified death dead. There's he interviewed all these people and he like became a, I guess that's what his like life's purpose was to figure this out. I don't even know if he's still alive. I don't know much about the author, but I, I do remember the book being super impactful. And um, I think there was even a movie that's kind of based on this. Flatliners. They would like they were taking themselves to. To that near-death zone to figure out what happens and allegedly there is a pattern he found this like crazy and i, I don't like quote me for it but it, i how i remember it is um like most people have some sort of light like the light towards a tunnel like they're going towards like this ultimate light um there's a buzzing like this like a universal sound maybe it's the ohm oh, who knows there's a buzzing of sorts on it um it's ineffable. Most people can't speak about it. Like they feel like the human, the English language or whatever language they're speaking won't allow them to really scratch the surface of what happened, which is also similar in like psychedelic experiences. It's this ineffable idea. Um, and, you know, psychedelic experiences, some people look at those as like practicing dying. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, but where it got really interesting that I remember with the difference was that a lot of them met their maker of sorts. They met their maker, but for Christians, they met Jesus. Mm. And for uh, another religion, like for someone that studied Buddhism, they may have met Buddha or maybe they met the energy or someone that studied Islam, maybe they uh, met Allah. So that was like very fascinating how mm. they met different deities. Um, that was a difference, but also a similarity. It was more like their projection, their subject, subjective projection of the creator seemed to show up. And that whole experience, including that, seemed to remind them that like life is about loving and learning. Like to love, you're here, we're here to love and to learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then they would come back with that. And they would like, most of them would come back with like, they were fine. They were fine with the whole process. And they kind of were surprised to, like, did not all of them even necessarily were like wanting to come back that much, but a lot of them did for a certain reason, for like a daughter or a parent. And, um, and then they came back really renewed or like that perspective. Like, yeah, this is, I'm here to love. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So that was an impactful book. And I, I, so I, I wonder like that subjective part is where I get like even more curious about. So then I get more curious. I'm like, well, if does some, if someone believes in heaven or hell, could they end up in heaven or hell? And, and what does that mean? Is, is, is being alive a hell, a hellish, a, a part of hell because it's because the, all the polarity that comes with being alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that. Anyway, anyway, it's a, yeah, a big question. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, I think um, our current, circumstance or our current uh situation how we are in our own minds is is what how we create our heaven and hell like we're living it right now if you i don't know if you hurt someone for example deliberately or or uh, deliberately you just suffer within yourself something feels uncomfortable and it changes the direction of of the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis and i mean i think about it with myself like you live like a pure life with full of love and, and positive intentions and to uplift and help others and so forth. Like you just 
feel better and it changes the direction of your life. You, you're living in a so-called heaven on, on earth, right? Versus this thing that you're bothered because you know how many people's lives, I mean, whether it's subconscious or not. Um, so I think like we live our heaven and hell right here, right now, you know, in our own existence, right? I don't know. And, and I've been, the more I, I learn, the less I know, right? That's so true. So I, I question these things like every day now, right? It's, I, I try to answer these big questions for myself too. I mean, I do think it, it built into like the spiritual fabric of our nature of being humans. It says death definitely serve is the ultimate perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. So people don't know when they're going to die and they're all going to die. That what, what more of a contrast does someone need to make the most out of what they've got now? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I've also, I like the, the ultimate, I mean, to just think out loud a little bit more. I've heard the idea of how like Allah represented like the one the one, um, one God, one God, one God. And Buddha represents the one mind. And Yeshua, Jesus represents like the one heart, like the unconditional love. Mm. And then I get curious about all that. And like, I get, when I think about just like the biochemistry of being that, um, and from this, the, the smallest level from sperm, it's like, one, all it takes is that for that one seed to be planted and there is a whole birth to a new, new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those sperm, they are all sort of in competition, but one of them, and hopefully they're in competition, but one of them is what creates that new life. And growing up in a Christian perspective and it being constantly like, I, I do think there's spirits and essences and um, like the spirit of Jesus or Yeshua. I, I've, I've wondered, is he like the winning sperm? to our, to the new earth. (laughs) So the, and I, I more come at these as questions uh, because I know some people are willing to fight to be right about something like this to maybe have been wrong. Well, it's it's funny. Yeah. I was arguing with someone about this just to, just to hear the other perspective and, and um, like did religion really come at the onset of the agriculture revolution, right? Now we have land and we're all settling down. Once upon a time, we were following the animals, right? We were following their migration pattern and we relied on them. And then once we started domesticating them, now we have land and now we have to figure out who we have to pass this land on because we work so well. So then now we have to pray to the rain gods and, and so forth. So did religion really start coming about around then? I mean, religion's just an interesting, or did we always have a need to believe in something, even when we were following the herd of animals 20,000 years ago, 40,000 years ago, right? Um, is it really a thing that came about during the agricultural revolution? And same thing with this concept of monogamy. And, I, you know, like, I, I, I wonder about these things. Well, you're a, you're a perfect uh, segue. That's a perfect segue, because my I think my next podcast is with a guy named uh, Christopher Ryan, who wrote the book Civilized to Death and uh, Sex at Dawn, both great books about those topics. So yeah. stay tuned for that one. I'm stoked for that conversation, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything that you want to make sure that we include that we did not or did reiterated? Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to start their own brand and they need help, assistance, whether it's skincare supplements, whatever, maybe um, I've spent some time in this, in this world and I would love to help them out, uh, whether it's to get them set up with us or, you know, just help them out, find manufacturers, suppliers, whatever it may be. Um, so contact me if you have any questions, honey, H-A-N-I-E-H at chiral.com. Um, 
And, you know, if you want to be a partner with us, you could visit chiral.com slash partners. And if you're interested in our skincare, you're more than visit, welcome to visit chiral. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. We'll make sure to include those yeah. in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for being awesome. Thanks for breaking Thank normal. You. And thanks for like, uh, yeah, following that passion beyond what may have, maybe culture was trying to get you to do otherwise. Yeah. Stick into it. You. Yeah. All right. We'll be in touch. Thanks All again. Right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.